In a world where a man loves movies and loves lists and keeps a list of his 100 favorite movies for over 30 years, what if he made his wife watch those movies in order? And what if he made her talk about it on a podcast? Would she like them? Would she hate them? Can this marriage possibly survive this podcast? Find out what will happen in a world called Craig's List. Uh, there's an old joke. Uh, two elderly women are at a Catskills mountain resort, and uh, one turns to the other and says, Boy, the food's in such small portions here. Uh, wait a minute. I, I told that wrong. Uh, there's, a, there's a Catskills mountain resort, and the food is it's just really bad. Okay, that's also not going to work. You know, me telling this joke is essentially how I feel about life, uh, that it's a joke that everybody else knows how to tell correctly, uh, but when you try it, you get it completely out of order and uh, mess it up. Um, (laughs) It's kind of like on on Twitter when uh, the one time you feel like you have an insightful joke, you you check the comments and everybody else has gotten there before you. And it's like, why even bother? You know, if, if my if my insights are so so shallow, and that, that everybody else has the same joke. Carla and I broke up, and uh, <laughs> good one. Hi, guys, Craig's listeners, we're back. It's episode eighty-seven. Oh, we've <laughs> done so many. We've done so many, but we've had uh, had a bit of a lull. Uh, I'm burnt out. Well, <laughs> don't hold back, Carla. Let, let them know how you feel. We're it's doing, hard. It feels like work. Uh, we're doing <laughs> back-to-back Woody Allen episodes. So we just did Crimes and Misdemeanors at number 15. And here we are. We number, sure did. Here we are at number 14 on the list. This is a 1977 Best Picture winner, a beloved romantic comedy called Annie Hall. Yeah, Annie Hall. And we thought it would be fun to have our favorite funny Annie to talk <laughs> about this funny movie with an Annie in it. So please say hello to Annie Savage. Yay! Hi. Thanks for having me. <laughs> it wasn't lost on me that that was the reason I was invited. <laughs> well, we were like, we, we were making a list of like, who do we really still want to have? And we were like, Annie. Oh, Annie Hall. It's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. Though you... Uh, said that Purple Rose of Cairo might be your favorite, Woody Allen? Well, I, I, yeah, I'd asked if you'd already had that on your list so far because that was the first movie that like broke my heart. Uh huh. It was the first movie that I saw there was such thing as no happy endings. Yeah. And I forget how old I was a teenager at that point when I saw it, but I was just like destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> But it was so good too. So it was the first, like, cause it was like my parents didn't want, my mom especially didn't want me exposed to like sad stuff. Yeah. And my dad was a cop. So he didn't want, he yeah. wanted to shield me from all that stuff too, like, cause he'd seen it in real life. So like I was always used to fairy tales and happy endings. And I, I watched Purple Rose of Cairo and I was like, why? Oh, <laughs> why yeah. did that have to happen? They could have worked it out. I remember being really surprised by that ending too. Like I just, it didn't, it didn't at any moment feel like it was going to go in that direction. And then all of a sudden it does. Yeah. It she doesn't good... end up with either of them. Yeah. I know. Oh. 
the real one or the fake one, but she has the movies. But it's, the oh, but how oh, I don't know that would just break my heart to have. She to. has the movies and the abusive husband. That's right. And what else? What else do you need? Wow! <laughs> what was your first movie, Carla? That told you that happy endings uh, weren't always beaches. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> that was like right at the time when I was like, "Wait, what? What do you mean, death? <laughs> oh God! Yeah. What? Yeah, I still don't watch." movies voluntarily that i know <laughs> animals are gonna get hurt yeah yeah or that somebody's definitely like some kid is definitely dying yep. <laughs> that's why i tuned out on john wick the first one uh bored me to tears uh because the the main plot point is the death of the dog yeah and oh. uh anything that puts children or animals in danger I um, forget I... about adults and elderly people. But <laughs> they've had a good run. But children and animals. They have had a good run. <laughs> well, it's no, this isn't fair to say. There is that feeling of like, well, what did that adult do to get in that situation with chi- but with children and animals? You're like, they didn't do anything. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> but I think it's just a cheap trick to get you emotionally involved uh in the movie, but I I don't want to see Animals getting hurt. And fortunately, in Annie Hall, only lobsters get hurt. (laughs) Oh, those poor lobsters. How bad did I feel for them? As I started that sentence, I was about to say, no animals got hurt. And then halfway through it, I remembered the lobsters. Oh, yeah. And they just like dropped it right in there. I was like, oh, no. And of course, we'll send you to David Foster Wallace's seminal essay, Consider the Lobster, (laughs) about whether lobsters have feelings or not. Take the time to read that now. And then uh, while you pause the podcast, and then... (laughs) You may resume. Uh, Annie, what's your history with the movie Annie Hall? Uh, I had always heard about it because it has my name in it. <laughs> um, I got into Woody Allen all around um, about that Purple Rose of Cairo time. like Because he's such a specific storyteller that once you see one film, you're kind of like, well, I kind of want to see what else is going <laughs> to, what else we covered here. Um I feel like the first time I actually saw it was maybe like five or six years ago. And then I had a kid and all my memories are gone. (laughs) My brain has been destroyed. Um, So I watched it again in preparation for this. And I was reminded of a lot of things that I initially loved about it. And um, it's, it's a good film. Yeah, it's good. It's I'm, I'm happy that it's in your top 20. Oh, good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, spoilers uh, to how Annie's going to rate this movie. Um, how about you, Carla? When's the first time I saw it? Yeah. Um, gosh, I want to say my early 20s, maybe around college. Um, I don't really remember. I did like go through this phase. I think we've said that I've said this before. We've said this. Me and Carla have said this before on this podcast that I went through a phase where I li- uh, listened to Woody Allen films. <laughs> what am I saying? Where I watched... <laughs> <laughs> Many Woody Allen. You just listened to them. That's interesting. <laughs> In a row. And I think this was am- among those. Yeah. So like, yeah, I probably saw Purple Rose of Cairo around the same time. And for sure Manhattan, because I was totally disgusted. I was always very confused by how much I didn't, li- how much I dislike some Woody Allen films and then how I love others. And this would be one that I love. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you think it is? Do you think it's the degree to which the female characters have autonomy or, yeah. or are spotlighted in the movie? I mean, Hannah and her sisters is 
probably my favorite Woody Allen film. Mm -hmm. Although I'm interested to watch it again. Spoiler, it's on your list, right? Right. It's coming up soon. Um, And I always felt like, wow, how does he write female dialogue so well after I'd watched that movie? Oh, but man, fuck Woody Allen. <laughs> There's been something like nearly 10 women that have won Oscars for roles in yeah. his movies. Oh, really? I mean, Bulls over Broadway. He's done Diane Weist real good. <laughs> She's had some great roles. Well, she won twice for Hannah and Her Sisters and Bullets Over Broadway. Yeah, wow. Mira Sorvino for Mighty Aphrodite. That's right. Diane Keaton for this movie. That's yeah. right. Annie Hall won the Best Actress Oscar. Kate Blanchett for Blue Jasmine. Yeah. Uh, it's happened time and time again. This movie was won Oscars for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Screenplay, and Best Actress. Mm-hmm. It was only nominated for five. The one it lost was for Best Actor. For Woody Allen. His Who won? Do you know? Best actor in 1977, Richard Dreyfus for The Goodbye Girl. Oh, I oh. love The Goodbye Girl. I know you're not a fan, Craig. Not a fan. I really like, I really like that movie. <laughs> you would love it, I think. Yeah? Have you seen it? No, I haven't. It's with, is it Mar- Marsha Mason? Marsha Mason. It's a Neil Simon movie. Yeah. And so it's oh. like, it takes place in New York in the seventies and they're both like actors who are trying to make it. And he shows up on her doorstep because her ex rented him the room without telling her oh my gosh totally cute i love Sounds that time Simon-y. Yeah, yeah it is it okay. absolutely is at the time richard dreyfus was the youngest best actor winner and he looks 45 in it yes he does <laughs> <laughs> he does not look young at all but he was like 29 yeah since supplanted by adrian brody and yep. then did anybody pass him what's his face just one who just won? Rami Malek, right? Oh, how old is he? He's older. Oh, he is? Older really? than Adrian Brody. Yeah, he's more late 30s. Yeah. Good. Um, Good. I'm glad. <laughs> though a lot of people thought <laughs> Timothy Chalamet was going to win, and he was only like 22 at the time. Uh, but yeah, this was the only time that Woody Allen was ever nominated for acting. Oh. Uh Probably because I think everybody after this movie was like, yeah, we get it. That's, <laughs> that's what you do. <laughs> that's oh, you're, the thing. oh you're, just, you're still doing that. Thing. That's the thing that you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, was he the director as well? He, he was, was also the director. Yeah. Uh, and he co-wrote the screenplay with Marshall Brickman. Oh, who's Marshall? <laughs> Who Marshall? <laughs> Who Marshall? Uh, Marshall Brickman also co-wrote uh, Love and Death, Manhattan, oh. and oh. Uh, Manhattan Murder Mystery. Oh. Oh. And I never knew that he co-wrote anything with anyone. He's co-written several screenplays. I think Bullets Over Broadway was also co-written. Oh, I love that movie. I should watch it again, though, before I say that. Like, maybe all these movies are terrible now. Right. Yeah. I, I've been told I have to go back and watch um, Back to the Future 2 and 3 in adult eyes because I was like, oh, I loved all those films. I did, and too. I think it was Paul Tompkins was like, but have you seen them as an adult? <laughs> Oddly enough, I never saw them as a teenager. I love the first Back to the Future, but never saw the sequels for whatever reason. I don't know why. I just wasn't interested. You don't like fun. I don't like fun. <laughs> I'm on record as not enjoying fun. And then I watched both sequels like pretty recently, like within the last five years yeah. or so. And I enjoyed them both a lot. Yeah, yeah. right? I, I like them. I want to stand by my statement that they're fun and good. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I- Paul F. Tompkins doesn't like fun. Oh. 
<laughs> He's not listening. <laughs> we can breathe easy. Hey, we gave you a shout out. <laughs> Don't listen to it. But speaking of murder mystery, which uh, did reunite Woody Allen and Diane Keaton uh, several years after this movie, Annie Hall was originally scripted to be a murder mystery, a drama what? with a murder with a murder that had comic side plots to it. Subplots. How did they end up with this? <laughs> Apparently, the murder takes place after the scene where they're in line to see the movie. Isn't that the open? Like, ran the opening? Well, uh, I mean, obviously, everything is chopped up for yeah. uh, and told out of sequence uh, in Annie Hall. So I don't know exactly what the sequencing was for the murder mystery. I'm sure it has something to do with the brother because the brother's nuts. <laughs> oh, played by Christopher Walken. I don't know if it, the murder revolves around Dwayne or not, but it could have. <laughs> this movie. Well, if was, you don't know, why couldn't it be? <laughs> Let's say that it is. Then. Okay. <laughs> um, but this movie was shot on and off over a period of ten months. And the original cut was, I think, over three hours long. So uh, he wanted to call the movie Anhedonia, uh, which is a clinical term referring to the inability to experience pleasure. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so the the original script did not necessarily – was not called Annie Hall and did not necessarily center around Annie Hall. But in re-editing the movie, uh, he decided to focus on that relationship and that character. Cool. Though wow. I, I guess up until the end, it was, all, it was going to be called Anhedonia. <laughs> I like that name too. I don't know, that title. Sure. But I don't think it would be as iconic – because uh, is this movie beloved because of Diane Keaton's performance? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Let's talk about her. She's so charming. Yeah. <laughs> Although I have to say, um, when you're when you're first introduced to her, like her name, it's the character name is the movie, and you, you so you're you already come in with some kind of expectation, and then the first time you see her, she's in a really bad mood. Yeah, and he's accusing her of being on her period, and she's like, "I'm not on my period," <laughs> which is a standard, you know, relationship right. issue. But I thought it was just so funny to introduce us to her as this, you know, person in a bad mood because it kind of sets the tone for the rest of the movie. So you, like you said, it's chopped up and you know it moves around a lot. That's not the first time that he yeah. meets her. That's just the first time we meet her. That's interesting, yeah, yeah, that that's the choice. We You don't start with the meet cute. Yeah. Uh, the meet, I mean, obviously they they play a, a tennis match, a doubles match together, and then the meet cute is really when they're chatting after the tennis match. And it's really the famous scene. her flirting with him yeah. more than it. Like, he's just He's not of, interested. He's Mr. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Woody Allen. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, what about Diane Keaton in this movie works for you, Carla? Well, I think she just gets to play a range of emotion and point of view and it feels authentic because of that. Like, yeah, she's not, it's not a movie about her breaking up with him. It's a movie about her falling in love with him and then becoming disenchanted with him and then falling out of love with him, but then maybe staying with him, but then breaking up with him, you know, and moving on. So I don't know. I, I just think that she does such a nice job of playing all of those moments. And it's kind of about her becoming her own person. Yeah. Too. 
of being a little more scattered and unfocused. Not saying that he's the one who changed her, though maybe the movie is positing that. Yeah. But yeah. I think it, the idea is that, you know, you, you enter these relationships, you learn from them, you grow a little bit and then you move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I also get the sense that she probably still hooks up with guys that she feels like have some sort of status over her. Did you get that vibe too? Annie Hall or Diane Keaton? Annie Hall. (laughs) Okay. Yes. But like, no, because that's like a whole thing where she dates her drama teacher. Right. Oh, you're right. And then she ends up with Paul Simon in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Probably not for very long. Probably not. In the end. end, At the end, she's with another date. She's with another guy, but he seems older. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Too. Yeah. So maybe it's a pattern that she can't break out of. Yeah. Yeah. I think as far as Best Picture winners go... I mean, this movie has a certain amount of infamy among Star Wars fans as the movie that beat Star Wars. Oh. Uh, which Star Wars was, uh, was the favorite to, to win that year and was the big box office hit. And Annie Hall was more of like the, the little film that could. And it's certainly iconic and influential as a rom-com. Like so many movies have pulled from this, but actually watching it, it's very experimental. Yeah. For yeah. a best picture winner. Uh, like it's not very conventional at all. Like everything is chopped up. There's flashbacks. There's subtitles. There's direct address to the camera. There's animation. There's, yeah. You know, oh yeah, the animation surprised me. I forgot about that. There's fourth wall breaking. There's split screen. All over the there's place. like yeah. just every device you can throw in there. Also, you can tell that he didn't have seen, like some of the scenes are edited just on a joke that he makes. <laughs> Right. It almost feels like a blackout, like in a Second City show. Oh, yeah. You know, where he's like, joke, blackout, and then it goes on to the next thing. Like the cocaine scene. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But I think the editing really helps it because the the scenes stand out as scenes, and then they're all kind of strung together into a cohesive whole. But this movie's not really trying to tell a story from beginning, middle, and end. Right. Right. Well, because that's not how you remember love, right? You don't remember relationships like that. You just remember flashes. <laughs> that's interesting. Bad, that I is think. very interesting. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Uh, apparently, he was very influenced by another movie on Craigslist, uh, Eight and a Half. Fellini's oh, Eight and a Half, please. which also uh, involves a uh, a filmmaker remembering elements from his past in a non sequential order. Uh, and has kind of flights of fancy and, uh, and fantasy of like the idea of like that you can talk to characters in the flashbacks, uh, mm. are interesting. Or like when, uh, Annie and Alvy and Tony Roberts are going through his old house and talking to his parents and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Watching or, the memories unfold right in front of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a really interesting way to do that. I think too, like with Diane Keaton, she's, Diane Keaton's not not Annie Hall, but also Annie Hall because Diane Keaton plays her. She's like the girl that everybody has a crush on, like men and women, because she's just so joyful. Yeah. And so even when she's cranky, you're like, I like you. She's still adorable. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think that that's something that Diane Keaton brings to it that nobody else could have. This movie is very influential on fashion too. Like the Annie Hall look oh, was yeah. really big for women in the late seventies, and it's basically Diane Keaton just wearing what she yeah, would typically it's the wear. Diane Keaton look. I love it. I wish it's, I could wear stuff. You could wear stuff like that. I could. I don't. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm, wearing, I'm currently wearing yoga pants. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing a sweat sweat hoodie. A sweat hoodie. A sweat hoodie. <laughs> sweat hoodie. <laughs> Uh, we've got a, uh, a thrilling adventure hour work juice players improv show tomorrow night. I think you should wear a man's blazer and tie. Um, let me see if I can pull that in my wardrobe. <laughs> I should get some Annie Hall action. Annie Savage and the Annie Hall look. Cute. Yes. I'm here for it. Uh, but your favorite movie of all time when Harry met Sally has to be influenced by this movie in, in some ways, right? Um, maybe no. <laughs> I mean, in that there's a lot of conversation, I guess. It's more, it's driven more by, yeah, the conversations they're having as opposed to big plot points. Yeah. And it takes place in Manhattan. I mean, that's probably the biggest thing. It's men and women walking around Manhattan in, in deep falling conversations. In and out of love. But when in. Harry Met Sally is all about how you can be friends and fall in love. Yeah, I'm thinking more tone than plot. Okay. Well, you asked my opinion. No, nope. <laughs> I would say because yeah, the the rapport, the banter, the mm-hmm. level of, uh, I guess, freedom that they speak with. Yeah, because the thing is, like romantic comedies these days, they're just so, you know, plot A, subplot B. You right. know, it's just it's if it's formulaic, and it feels like you watch it. Sometimes for me, it's hard to go back and look at old films like, yeah, you know, because of the technology or because of just the long, they took their time so much more and now it's so much, it's chopped up and it's quick and it's, everything is like paced to, so that because our, you know, our level of involvement is always Mm. waning. We can only pay attention for so long now. So sometimes it's hard to go back and like watch older films, but Annie Hall kept me super engaged. And I don't know if it was because of the certain cuts or certain shots. Like there was that one shot where they're talking and you don't even see them and the camera doesn't move. And finally, after like two minutes, you see them coming down the street and you're like, oh, there they are. (laughs) You know, certain things like, um, it's, it keeps you engaged and like, I, And I know there's no like CGI or anything in this, but like even watching the first Harry Potter, you go back and like the first broomstick scene, you're like, oh, that's terrible. Like like, it's uncanny valley (laughs) stuff. But, but, uh, but this was like, it was so easy to watch. It, it's still maintained because I I think because there's such real people, Hmm. it really helps. It's, it wasn't formulaic. It wasn't uh, gimmicky, you know. It was very Woody Allen, but like it, it's, yeah. I think it stands. I mean, I think the thing that works, we've talked, spent so many podcasts talking about what's wrong with Woody Allen. <laughs> I think the thing that works about Woody Allen as a persona in these movies is that his characters are always like the over, overarching theme with him is always like he's afraid of death. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Which ultimately is so relatable. And he leans into it so much that it just like, he can't be happy. He can't be happy because he's just afraid he's going to die. <laughs> yeah. And so for me, like that's such a specific Woody Allen thing that I actually really can relate to. And I don't know, it helps draw me into his movies. Right. Yeah. Because I recognize that behavior, you know, cause I'm also afraid of death. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, in the early scene where they flash back to him as a kid, uh, the kid who's playing him is adorable, oh, by yeah. the so, way. Oh, so cute. Uh, but the doctor talking to him about how he won't do anything because uh, the you know universe is going to collapse unto itself, you know? Oh, so crazy. Uh, and he's like, that's not going to happen for billions and billions yes, of years. Yes, And he's like, what's the point? <laughs> what's the point of anything? Uh, and that's Carla in a nutshell. <laughs> it's true. But I can be happy. No, that's true. But you also... 50% of the time. <laughs> you get out of your head. Yeah, yeah, sure. Carla does not like thinking about space. It's true. And the enormity of it. <laughs> yeah, that's when I get in trouble too. Yeah. I just like get overwhelmed. And I'm like, I can't stop. And yeah. Just put the blinders on. And you have a kid, which like must make it so much harder. Oh, geez. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> yeah. You know, I... I Watched a lot of old movies and for, for everyone that's kind of like you, you can't, it's rhythms are so antiquated that you just can't get into it. Uh, and then the fact that the movies are not formulaic and then there's subplots that don't necessarily go anywhere. And, but there, when it really works, there's an unpredictability to old movies that makes them so much more fun. Uh, and then there's surprises in them. And I feel like, especially with studio movies so long ago, they just got locked into, you know, the three act structure and like, this is what happens on this page yeah. of the screenplay. Right. Yeah. By, by minute 30, act one should be closing or whatever. Yeah. And the the point that our trailers play out the movie in its entirety, and it's Ugh. like if you've seen the trailer, you've seen the movie, and then what's the point? Yeah, you know. I was thinking when Annie was saying that before about like romantic comedies nowadays. It feels like so many of them are like the great thing about when Harry met Sally and Annie Hall is that as we were saying, it's the conversations, right? And but like romantic comedies nowadays, it's all about like the set pieces or like the like um like the fun and games of mm. um. I'm going to whatever that how to lose a guy in 10 days things. I'm writing an article uh, about yeah. how I can, you know, get someone to fall out of love with me in 10 days. And then every scene has to heighten that idea. Yeah. So they don't, you don't really ever get to see them just like being, Yeah, <laughs> you know, the thing that always annoys us, I think, by the way, that's the 15 year old movie that I just, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, but it's modern enough. I mean, they locked into that formula, you know, yeah. 20 years ago, I yeah. think, and, and they, they don't depart from it too much. Uh, we always hate the phony fight, um, either for like the friends or the lovers getting in the phony fight that like keeps them apart until they reunite in the third act. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like we just saw Booksmart, which was a really fun, uh, movie. And then we kind of complained about like when the girls, uh, fight, fight, fought. Yeah. Yeah. That it felt like a, a phony plot point that they had to get over. Well, no, no, no. You said that. And I said, when I was a teenager, I fought with my friends all the time. <laughs> but generally that bothers me. But yeah. in that one, I, I kind of bought it because I was like, yeah, I remember getting into real bad fights with my best friends. <laughs> yeah, that happens at teenage. So there is something about this movie of juxtaposing, like, here's the whole length of their relationship just chopped up and out of order where you kind of see them at different states of it that that's really kind of interesting yeah and i like the idea that uh spoilers that they don't end up together in this movie yeah it feels right doesn't yeah because there's a point where you're watching maybe when he goes to la or maybe even just before that like you get her how she feels you 
you like you're starting to side with her and you're starting to get uncomfortable watching yeah. him pursue her. Yeah. And you're kind of like, it's over, man. <laughs> Step back. Like, save yourself some face. Right. It feels like this movie is more self-aware of the Woody Allen persona than later ones would be. And that it's actually kind of satirizing his behavior and point of view as that the, he's he's the one fucking up this relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's very clear that he's the one who's yeah. messing it up. And he's, it's, he's, he as the filmmaker seems very aware of that, which is good. Through his neuroses and selfishness and attempts yeah. to control her. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. God, I hate it when he buys her those books. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, ugh. I don't know. Weren't they like, what were they about? Like death. 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 Yeah. About death. Yeah. yeah. Like, ugh. Yeah. And then he he tells her to take uh, adult education classes yeah, at the college, dude. and then dude, yeah, <laughs> like then gets upset when her professor uh, flirts with her. Yeah, yeah. She is so cute in this. Oh she my is. gosh, she's she really adorable. Is. I was just thinking of her walking down the street, talking about her professor, and she had a cute little dress on with a scarf tied around her waist, and a little um, purse, a basket purse. Is that what they're called? A basket purse. Yep. Sure. <laughs> Craig knows. Most of Carla's quotes for this movie are admiring clothes or interior design. Yeah. Uh, you, you've seen this movie a number of times. I think this yeah. time you watched about half of it. Yeah. Before falling asleep. I fell asleep, but that doesn't mean anything about the movie. I cannot stay awake on this couch when we're watching movies. <laughs> it looks night. very comfortable. I just always fall asleep. Um, but I've seen it probably seven or eight times, so. I don't, I don't feel bad. One more thing on rom-coms I wanted to ask, uh, because we were kind of talking about formula. What, what's a rom-com of the last 10 years or so that surprised you or like did the formula so well, maybe with new specificity? Oh, this is a good question. <sighs> That's a tough one. I really liked 500 Days of Summer. That's been within the last 10 years, right? That's about 10 years ago, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That was nice. It had, it had that painful. Yeah. Emotion to it of like this relationship is over in that same right. <laughs> thing in Annie Hall. And also told out of sequence. Yep. Too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's got weird things like the, uh, like the dance sequence. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's probably, I, I haven't seen it in a long time. It's probably fallen to that, to like the too cutesy kind of quirky kind of thing that Zoe Deschanel gets a lot of shit for, but I'm generally fine with it. So. Yeah. <laughs> I really liked About Time with Domhnall Gleeson and Rachel McAdams, yeah. uh, which is a Richard Curtis movie. And generally, like his movies are a little too precious uh, for me, but this one really worked, I think, just because of the weird specificity of it, that he has the ability to stop time and go back and to fix things. So it's kind of high concept, but it really worked. But it all, always comes down to the charm of the leads. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. You know, and charming leads can smooth over, you know, plot holes and formula. Mm -hmm. I agree. Anything you can think of, Annie? No. <laughs> I told you my brain has been erased yeah. since having a kid. What I are some can't. other ones that have done well? If you said it, I, I would remember. Rom-coms over the last 10 years I did so? watch this movie called, oh, oh, well, there's two. Um, Laggies is on Netflix now. Have you seen that? No. With Kira Knightley. And Sam Rockwell, and I really liked that one. And it was different because 
it was actually more about her and Sam Rockwell's daughter, hmm. even though she ends up having a romantic relationship with the father. I liked that a lot. I liked Frances Ha. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's totally romantic comedy, but I do think it follows kind of some of the tropes of it. But it's about her and her best friend and how she loves her best friend. It's not rom- It's not like sexual, but it's... It's centered around a young woman and kind of her dating life. But yeah, I guess the romance is with her and her friend or yeah. with her just kind of coming into her own and growing in confidence. The filmmakers even said it was about her and her friend. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's Noah Baumbach. Yeah. Yeah. I love that movie. And then what's the one that I loved and I can't remember the name of? Uh, to all my... What is it? To all... It was on Netflix. The Boys I've Loved or something like to that. To All the Boys I've Loved Before. It's so cute. Oh, I got to see it. Have you seen it? No. no. You just said I got to see it. It's so good. Um, it's about – this is great. Oh, gosh. Everybody, don't pause or don't fast forward. Listen to this. Um, she <laughs> writes love letters throughout her teens to these boys that she falls in love with or has crushes on. And one day her sister mails them all to the boys. <laughs> and so she goes to school. <laughs> and But then it ends up becoming about her and this other boy. Um, and it's just very sweet. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's really it's a cute. Great idea. And it's young and yeah. It doesn't feel like it feels fresh, fresh. So it's like the the biggest nightmare for a teen girl, which yeah. is like all your crushes, you know, that you've had oh are God, now suddenly yeah. out there in the world, and right. everybody knows about them. Yeah, and so then it's like how she uses it to her advantage, and in the meantime, falls in love with a different boy. Oh, that's life. It I, is right. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was very charming. You watched it? I did watch it. Oh. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Yeah. It's easy. And then the dad is the guy from uh, Sex and the City, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Aiden. Aiden from Sex and the oh, City. Oh, he's great. He's a great dad. <laughs> he's character. a great dad. Yeah. Well, let's get back to Woody Allen's Annie Hall. <laughs> well, you a asked. Bit. I did ask. You totally asked. And I was like really struggling there for a second to support your move to go away from Annie Hall. <laughs> and you came up with three rom-coms okay. that, yeah. uh, that answered the question. So people are still making them, which is good to, yeah. good oh, to hear. Oh, no, they're actually like in the industry, which I'm not really a part of, but um, I listen to a lot of podcasts about it. Uh, romantic comedy is like it's a big thing it's in again like oh. studios are looking for them and they're they're in development and and netflix is really investing in them in particular these teen ones yep. which seem to be doing really well which i enjoy so that's what you're gonna write right sure yeah and i'm gonna call it annie hall <laughs> <laughs> annie hall too <laughs> by the way hall is diane keaton's real last name keaton, really keaton is her mother's name and annie is her nickname what? Diane, I guess. Yeah. Wow. Why did she change her name? Do you know? Is there uh, already a... Maybe there was a Diane Hall in the... In SAG. In SAG already? That's right. That's and she took her works. mother's name instead? I don't know. Well, let's go chronologically through the movie with a segment that we like to call Carla's Quotes. She's feeling her oats and Craig's taking notes. Whatever they are, it's Carla's Quotes. Not a lot of quotes for this, and <laughs> sorry, <laughs> they are very, uh, very much about the style and the decor of the movie. But uh, just so you know, um, 
Yeah, I love the direct address to the camera to open it up. And it's basically just like remembering that he came from stand up and that, you know, here's basically one of his old stand up routines. Uh, there's something about him saying, I turned 40. Uh, like, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm way older than Woody Allen is in this movie. I'm turning 40 this year. So when he said that, I was like, God. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's I'm also here. like such a different era of like when you were 40 then. Oh, yeah. You'd been married and divorced twice. If you were single, you'd been married and divorced twice. Yeah. You know? And you looked 60. And you looked 60. <laughs> And now if you're 40, you look 30 and you're dealing with still being like an adolescent. Yeah, you know? it's true. That feels like the what the 40-something stories are about now. And how old was she supposed to be? She was younger. She was supposed to be in her late 20s, right? I think so. They don't really get into it. Uh, Diane Keaton is 11 years younger than Woody Allen. Really? Just like us. That's the same as me Aww. and you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he says right away, I had a hyperactive imagination, which kind of like allows for the kind of the flights of fancy. Apparently that, I don't think it's a house necessarily, but that house under the roller coaster is a real thing. Yeah. When they, well, cause he says something about it at the top where you're the over, that's what it was, the overactive imagination. And you're like, so is that not real? And then when they go and visit it, you're like, so it is real. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Is it real? Is it real? I feel like that's in another movie of his too. Radio days. Maybe. maybe. Oh yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, but I mean that they didn't build a house under a roller coaster of like they saw it while scouting locations and they were like, oh, we've got to work this into That's the movie. crazy. Yeah. I hope it's still there. I bet it's not. This is the first movie <laughs> of several that he worked with the cinematographer Gordon Willis, by the way, who we talked about a bit in Godfather Part 2. He was the cinematographer for both Godfather movies and he had done all dramas before this. Oh, cool. Uh, but he didn't get an Oscar nomination for cinematography until Zelig. Uh, years later was not nominated for either Godfather movie. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that, the scene where the two, uh, kind of thuggish guys are accosting him outside the theater. Oh, yeah. Just like, um, uh, I got Albie Singer over here. <laughs> it's like such, such a great, great scene. Um, I love it when they ask for an autograph and it's for his sister. Yeah. Right? Am yeah. I remembering like, that correctly? For my sister, make it up to Ralph or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, cousin. <laughs> but then, we, and then when uh, Diane Keaton shows up, he says, "I'm standing over here with the cast of The Godfather." <laughs> yeah. And Carla said, "You were in The Godfather, remember?" <laughs> Diane Keaton. <laughs> Diane Keaton, that is. Oh, that's funny. Uh, so this exists in a universe where The Godfather exists, and Diane Keaton is not Diane Keaton, but Annie Hall. Yeah. So there's just both like that girl in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Oddly enough, we saw a French film last night called Nonfiction with Juliette Binoche in it. And at one point, they're talking about getting a famous actress to do a book on tape. And they're like, we're talking to Juliette Binoche. And she's <gasps> sitting right there. She's Hilarious. in the scene. <laughs> so weird. It totally, t- it totally bumped me out of it. <laughs> I liked it. But, but it's that's weird. <laughs> yeah. But it's the same joke as in Annie yeah. Hall, basically, which it just occurred to me. The movie that they're in line to see is Ingmar Bergman's Face to Face, which I just watched for the first time like a month ago. And you loved by your face? No, my face did not love Face to Face. <laughs> and I have also seen all four hours of The Sorrow and the Pity, which is the oh. uh, documentary about Nazis that uh, that he keeps going to in the movie. So Life is too short, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh when when they are having that fight and he says to her, "Do you have your period?" Uh, Carla went, "Ugh." 
It's <laughs> the appropriate current yep. day response. Uh, the famous scene where he breaks the fourth wall and, uh, I happen to have Marshall McLuhan over here, uh, is so famous and iconic too. Like, I definitely had no idea who, I only have the vaguest idea of who Marshall McLuhan is, but I think the joke works regardless, you know, you just know that like this guy is a insufferable boob quoting some famous academic and then like, here's the famous academic. Yeah. You know, that's not what I said. Um, <laughs> But I was reading the Roger Ebert review of this, uh, and the, the one that he did for his great movies collection, like, uh, years after the movie came out, and he was saying that there's so many references in this that studio notes would tell you to take out because nobody knows what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. Um, but I actually, you know, learned a lot of, you know, I heard about filmmakers a lot of times for the first time in a Woody Allen movie. It can be a good jumping off point, you know, because he references Fellini in this as well. I saw mm-hmm. this movie well before I saw any Fellini movies. So uh, I, I like it when there's references that are somewhat over my head. Uh, and there's even a line, uh, when he does his stand up routine in Wisconsin later where Annie says to Alvy of like, I'm finally starting to get some of the references. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I love the scene with, uh, Carol Kane as his I first love wife. Carol Kane. She's so sweet in this. Uh, and his reaction to her name, Al- Allison Porchnik. Porchnik? Um. <laughs> she's great. I'm glad she's still working. She is still working, right? Yeah. 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 In, uh, Kimmy Schmidt. Kimmy, Kimmy Schmidt. Schmidt. She's great in Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah. Uh, oddly enough, we've been watching, have you been watching Fosse Verdon? No, and I really oh, want to. You're going to love it, Annie. I'm, I know I'm going to love it. It's so great. But they had a similar scene where they're cooking lobsters in the Hamptons. That must have been a thing in the 70s, right? Cooking yeah. lobsters in the Hamptons. <laughs> so relatable. You go to the Hamptons, <laughs> go to the Hamptons and you cook a lobster. I do love that they revisited that with, an, with one of his new girlfriends. And she was just like, what are you doing? Yes. <laughs> She doesn't get it at all. She's yeah. sitting there smoking like, why? Huh? Let it go. That's similar with the scenes with Shelley Duvall, too, where she doesn't get his jokes either. Oh, yeah. You know, So you get the sense that Alvy and Annie are kindred spirits. Shelley Duvall you know. is fascinating to me. Like, she's just such a... Uh, she's so beautiful, but she's so... I don't a- know. Alien? Alien-like. Yeah. yeah. It's really... I don't know. It's cool. But I don't know. I don't. I can't tell if she's a an, a good actor. <laughs> you know, I'm just like. I think good she's point. so interesting. Yeah. Maybe that's all you need to be. She definitely had a run where you know she was in this and The Shining yep. and. Uh, oh, she's great in The Shining for and, sure. And yeah. Popeye, she's olive I've never oil. Saw Popeye. And Popeye. That's right. Uh, and then for a while, she was best known in the '80s for doing this fairy tale theater that she produced and directed herself that oh, was cool. on Showtime. Uh, that I never really watched, but that was uh, kind of like iconic kids programming at the time. Um, the hippie boyfriend in Annie's past, by the way, is John Glover, who's a well-known character actor. We saw him yeah. in The Drowsy Chaperone on Broadway yeah. as the narrator. Uh, but he's but he looks so different in this because he's got like a hippie beard and long hair. Yeah. And that's that scene where he's like, touch my heart with your foot. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> it's so funny. Uh why do you think the la di da la di da is so iconic? La di da la di da. Where did did she say where she got that from? I like, think it's great. it's actual like this is just, just the her? way that Diane Keaton talks. I think uh, he just worked in a lot of her own. Didn't she quirks. say Grammy Hall says that too? Grammy, or no? I thought I was thinking Grammy Hall said it, but 
it could have it could have still come from that. I think well, because I think he asked her about neat of like she uses the word neat oh, and, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's just trying to the idea being of like, oh, it's so charming this this like small town speak. <laughs> does he? I forget. Does he incorporate improv in? I know he does things in a different way. Like when he did that blind, when he was blind in that one movie, he didn't tell Deborah Messing, who played his girlfriend. Right. Like stuff <laughs> Hollywood like that. ending. Yeah. yeah, Hollywood ending. Uh, I think there are elements of improv in some of his movies. Yeah. In particular, the, the ones like Hannah and her sisters with a lot of people kind of talking over each yeah. other in like, you know, scenes where people are walking into apartments and, you know, everyone's uh, talking over each other. I think that's not all scripted necessarily. Yeah. But I don't think there's like gags that are like left open ended to see if like, let's see if right. we come up with something. It's probably know? something she, she said, like you said, that she said in real life. But why is it iconic? I think it's iconic because it's fun to say. <laughs> it is, yeah. La di da, la di da. There's something also about just like the, the head shake too of just like her, <laughs> her, I think I'm, I'm thinking specifically about the, the scene and the, the tennis. Yeah. When she says, so I've always, whenever I hear, have heard people say that in real life and they're not referencing the movie, it's always like, oh, la-di-da. Yeah, like fancy pants. Yeah. Oh, good for you. (laughs) But she doesn't say it that way, right? No. It's more like self-deprecating, like, ugh, I'm talking too much. Yeah. I think, yeah, it basically is saying blah, blah, blah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, as, and that's interesting because she's saying it like, uh, oh, I'm, I'm share, I'm, sharing my thoughts too much with you which is like kind of sad but also funny i think i'm probably like that too where i'm like oh i'm talking too much i'm sorry i've already apologized five times in this podcast for sure i'm sorry that i'm talking again la di da (laughs) yeah and cut it's (laughs) (laughs) it's just great that's that's all i know but it's about her character yeah Yeah, it's it's a term it's you know again you don't see Little things like that in current rom-coms yeah. are, you know, that they're all cookie cutter. So like having these little tropes, these little things that you do. I mean, I haven't heard anybody say la-di-da in a while. So yeah, yeah. like it's things are likable. I yeah. think people self-consciously give the characters quirks, but they feel like overbaked and self-conscious, you know, yeah. that yeah, like we have to give them quirks. Right. And it's probably not coming from this character is based on you as the actor and persona. It's like, here's this character we wrote. Who can we get to play it? Who's the like most famous person we can get to play it? That's exactly it. It's not like who's, who's, who can handle the material and bring it to real life. Yeah. Who's really hot right now. Right. So sad. So there's something about that. It really just comes from her own personality, her own way of talking that it feels so authentic and not, not self-consciously quirky, but just, legitimately like you're getting insight into this unique person yeah i think she's just disarming like she's very the audience falls in love with her pretty quickly despite her coming in with a bad attitude yeah (laughs) yeah but it's it's easy to to see why he falls in love with her and that's what makes it funny when you do see them like because you know they're together and then you see later you see the meet cute and it's really funny to see how she's flirting with him and he's just a little aloof about it. He's just not like he, he kind of takes him and then is like, do you want to share a cab? You know? And then that's <laughs> when it, it starts to connect. 
Yeah. You're like, oh, he's a lucky son of a bitch. Yeah. Because <laughs> he ain't cute. <laughs> it's, it's hard watching him make out and start having sex with people. It yeah. Is, it is uncomfortable. Of which there's a lot in this movie. Oh, there's a lot. Yeah. It's like, yeah. stop it. <laughs> he makes a noise when he kisses. Yeah, he's a smacky kisser. <laughs> uh, when we flash back to his second wife, uh, Carla says, this character is my style icon. <laughs> She looks amazing. She's got like beads, a pantsuit, and like a kimono. Giant glasses and her hair is like in a bun. I love her. I love her style. I did not love her. Yeah. No. Sometimes I wonder if it's the actor or the performance versus the character. Well, she's at that point with him that Annie gets to, right? Which is she's just like, you're an asshole. Yeah, <laughs> like you're sort of the, the parallel. What did I do? Why did I marry you? Yeah, we don't see their meet cute, right? You no. know, we do with Alison Portionick see the meet cute, and then the aftermath. Yeah, where he's talking about the uh, the Warren report and how Lee <laughs> Harvey Oswald came out have been a lone gunman. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, that actress, by the way, is Janet Margolis, I think, and she was the love interest in his very first movie that he directed, Take the Money and Run. Oh. Uh, that's nice. Uh, here's some other quotes from around that time in the movie. Look at that bed. I like that room. Um, <laughs> and then it, uh, she can't have sex because uh, she has a headache. And Carla said, you gave her that headache. <laughs> <laughs> nice. True. Uh, I got to say in the 70s that the game of tennis kind of enjoyed like an American renaissance. Like it was really like hip for a while and everybody played tennis. And my parents' tennis club looked exactly like the court that they play on uh, there. Like my parents were in like regular like doubles groups and it was like la di da. La di da. (laughs) It was just this giant inflatable bubble so you could play indoors. Like it was just a, a very weird time. Uh, and then Carla on Diane Keaton during the tennis scene. Look how stylish she is, even when she's sweating. <laughs> cute, so cute. <laughs> she really is. I love the pop collar. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's pretty nice. It works. I tried that with my jean jacket the other day. Did not pull it off. <laughs> I think uh, I'm too old for a pop collar. I at know. This point. I feel that way about pigtails. I wanna, oh, but I'm too yeah. old. You got to do them just right. Yeah, or else they look cre- creepy. Yeah, when I see, yeah, yeah. Also in the meet cute after the tennis scene, Carla says, I love her bag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's Carla. Uh, rape jokes. Yeesh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what was the joke? Well, there's a joke where he says, my, uh, yeah, my Grammy was too busy getting raped by Cossacks. When she's talking about her Grammy hall. Yeah. Right. And then he's like, yeah. <laughs> and she was just laughing the whole time anyway, right? Cause she yeah. was, she was that nervous, cute. You know, energy that meet cute energy. Yeah. Also, what did she do? Because she had a really nice place in New York for four hundred dollars a month too. Nineteen seventy-seven, of right. course. But still, man, wow. Yeah. Hope she she well she didn't hold on to that place right because she moves in with him right. Because he says that he'll pay for her to keep her apartment. He'll pay for her apartment because he. You that's know. right. And yeah. that's one of the first red, big red flags that you really see. You're like, uh, are he's you not really willing in this to totally commit. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, I also love when he goes to her place for the first time, she tells the, the narcolepsy story. Love like that. Oh my God. That that's such a great moment. That's not really going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's like, make yourself like, so he's dead. So he's dead. <laughs> yeah. 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 He died. 
Oh my god. It's that is so, so me. I do that stuff all the time, but I'm not nearly as charming about it. I do too. It just leaves people really uncomfortable. Yeah. Whereas but- with her, you're just like, I just want to like hug you. You're adorable. I'm not much of an anecdotist either. And like, there are some people like, uh, good friends of ours who were like, I could listen to them tell the same stories oh, that yeah. I've heard a million times yeah. again, because that they're just like well worked out stories. I think the thing is, if you don't really tell stories naturally of like, you know where you want to get to, but you haven't really worked out. The, it is like <laughs> telling jokes in a way that you've got to like introduce the exposition at the right time. And like, yeah. uh, but if you don't really know where the story is, is headed. <laughs> I'm I'm too much exposition. I'm like, oh, wait, you should probably know that. But yes. No, they don't need to know that. Right. That's the other problem yeah. as well, yeah. And then the other famous scene of them uh, kind of flirting with each other, uh, and we see their subtext and subtitles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that same first um, meet. Yeah. Uh, Carla said, what a great apartment. <laughs> yep, yep. Agree. Uh, she sings It Had to Be You at a club. Um, this is when like things are not going well for her and you hear like bro, you know, broken oh, yeah. beer bottles in the, in the yeah. back. Everybody's talking the whole time. But Carla said super romantic song. Yeah. Uh, which was also used again in When Harry Met Sally. It yep. Had to Be You in the Harry Connick version. <laughs> Carla said on Diane Keaton, wasn't her big break hairspray? <laughs> what? <laughs> I meant hair. Take out the spray. <laughs> I met hair and I, I was right. I want to see that mashup. You now. were right. Yes. She, uh, she, <laughs> I think, amazing. <laughs> I don't think she was in the original cast of hair, but she was a replacement, I think, in the original that run That was like of, her big break hair. was hair. Yes. On Broadway? Because then you said, I think it was Pippin. I think I said Godspell. That's right. You said, I think it was Godspell. And I said, I don't know. I think it was Hairspray, even though I meant hair. <laughs> <laughs> Hairspray, of course, a John Waters movie that came out 10 years after. Which I totally know that. Yes. But didn't think about it before I spoke. La-di-da, la-di-da. <laughs> uh, and then after appearing in Hair, she did the Broadway run of Play It Again, Sam, written by Woody Allen. And then uh, she did the movie of Play It Again, Sam in 1972. Is that how she met him? Yeah. Oh, she wow. met him uh, playing against him in the uh, in the play. And they're still tight, right? They are still friends. Like she defends him. She does. Ooh. Wow. (laughs) So some possible strikes against (laughs) Diane Hall. Uh, But here's another thing of them ordering at the deli and her her order is more complex than his. Oh, that's another thing. That's a when Harry met Sally. That's a when Harry met Sally thing. Totally. Um, and I feel like the, isn't there a scene where Billy Crystal's buying her books too? No, but they're in a bookstore. Oh, okay. Um, someone is staring at you from personal growth. Yeah. <laughs> Carrie um, Fisher, RIP. Truman Capote appears in the movie as the Truman Capote lookalike contest winner. Oh, uh, funny. When they're in Central Park and they're, and they're just commenting on people, a guy walks oh, by yeah. like, oh, there's the winner of the Truman Capote lookalike contest. Truman <laughs> it's Capote. It's actual Truman Capote. <laughs> Uh, I loaf you. I love you. I love you. Uh, yeah, when he said love, <laughs> I was like, hey, he said that first. He no, invented love. No, it's lerve. a bit. Uh, here's Carla. I wish we had windows we could hang plants like that from. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess you've seen this movie so many times. You really were just concentrating on the, uh, the decor. Um, 
I like the flashback to the obnoxious guy that he uh, was writing for of like, uh, uh, John Dark means lights out in the bathroom. <laughs> um, Christopher Walken, uh, an early appearance uh, from him uh, as Dwayne, uh, Annie Hall's brother. He's so great. <laughs> like, really great. And then you wonder, like, he, like he's in that generation of actors like Al Pacino where at some point they found this like verbal thing that was indicative of their persona and then just like went full throttle <laughs> and told you just, and just went and just leaned right into it. Yeah. And it's nice because it's like, Oh, that's how Christopher Walken speaks. But it's also, I kind of, I think kind of diminishes their work as actors. Yeah. Well, this is interesting because he wasn't really known at the time. This yeah. is a year before The Deer Hunter, right. which he won the uh, supporting actor. But he was known for, in New York for theater and stuff. I guess so. Yeah. But of like, for this comedy to cast this guy, I mean, because I, I guess that's the joke that this guy is like way darker <laughs> yeah. than, than is warranted for the movie. Uh, I remember Christopher Walken on Inside the Actor's Studio said like, the first thing I do when I get a script is I erase all the punctuation. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm like, if it's a period, exclamation point, question mark, he crosses it all out. So commas, weird. He gets rid of all the punctuation, so it's just the words. So <laughs> that weird. Kind of makes a lot of sense. <laughs> but he didn't talk like that all the time. Yeah. Like he didn't, and he doesn't talk like that in the Deer Hunter either. Yeah, I think you know. There's a persona that he leans into sometimes. And I think sometimes people are casting him to be the weird Christopher Walken right. guy. I think when it's a good role and a good script, I loved him as the dad and catch me if you can is one of his yeah. best performances, I think. Oh yeah. Um, and he's not like very Walken-y. No, you're right. In that either. You're right. <laughs> My point is I really do like Christopher Walken. <laughs> his eyes are amazing. Yeah, yeah. His eyes really are. I think I have no quotes from Carla for the back half because you were Sorry. Sn- you were snoring. Uh, well, then that's a quote. <laughs> <laughs> the spider killing scene is also pretty uh, pretty iconic. Yeah. That's kind of when they get back together uh, after yeah. he's hooked up with uh, Shelley Duvall. I've totally done that in relationships, not with Craig, but in prior relationships where I broke up with somebody because they were driving me insane and then was like, I miss you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Come over. And then you get back together just because it's you're used to it. Right? Yeah, because Thanks. it's comfortable and then almost immediately regret it. Yeah, and then you're like, fuck, why did I do that again? <laughs> yeah. I love the flashback where they meet the guy, Joey Nichols, of like, see, Nichols, see, Nichols. is oh, like pulling Nichols out of his God. ear. And then the kid walks away saying, what an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> There's a long scene where she sings, seems like old times, and it kind yeah. of plays out in entirety. Um, I did read that this Woody Allen in general has a uh, very long average shot length compared to most directors. Yeah. And I think the average shot length in this is like 17 seconds, which doesn't seem that long, but of like when the average shot length for a typical movie in 1977 was six or seven seconds. Yeah. Now it's like 1.5, you know, of like right. they cut Quick so cuts. quickly now. Annie knows she studied film. A little bit. <laughs> a little I bit. I think that's when I watched Annie Holmes when <laughs> yeah. I was in school. But uh because she had had that earlier like disastrous uh club gig before when nobody was paying her attention of like this is kind of the scene where you see that she's like coming into her own a bit and like yeah. getting confidence as a singer. Yeah. 
Um, and I, I like that quite a bit. And then they meet Paul Simon, not literally Paul Simon, but whatever he's named in this. Oh, he's got some douche name too. Jerry Lacey or so, Tony Lacey. Tony Lacey. It? Tony Lacey. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, and Carla and I were just listening to Angelica Houston on Mark Marin recently, which was a good episode, right? Yeah. And he says of like, we're going to go over to Jack and Angelica's and uh, have a drink. Because <laughs> um, this was when she was dating Jack Nicholson. Um, but the funny thing is like Angelica Houston was not that well known a name at yeah. the time. So it was like, it was almost like an insider reference. Right. Um, yeah, I, I feel like his trip out to LA at the end of the movie is like very influential in like, uh, pop culture's minds of, uh, of how LA is this soulless place where yes. like yeah. art goes to die. <laughs> You know, not like this was the first movie to ever make that point, obviously, right. but right. like it's just so famous. The health food place that he goes to and orders a, a I'll have a plate of mashed yeast, um, <laughs> is, uh, is the source, which was on the corner of Sunset and maybe Doheny, you know? Yeah. But that was the one that was owned by the cult, the source yep. family. Yep. And that was like the famous like first vegetarian place oh, in wow. LA. Vegan, right? Vegan, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Goldblum also uh, before he was famous with yeah. one the one line I forgot so my mantra. Fun. That was such a great moment. Man, LA really hasn't changed that much. No, all those like <laughs> quick quick cuts around the LA party of like he really gives good meeting. You know, it's like. <laughs> Well, right now it's only idea, but I think I can get money to turn it into a concept. You know? Oh, yeah, it's still true. <laughs> yeah, it's uh. still so true. I guess that's why it's so iconic because it hasn't changed. I mean, for at sure, all. when we're at those parties, that's what we're saying, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys get invited to those parties. <laughs> Uh, and then I think in that final scene with them at the, uh, at the health food place of like, you really see that she's changed. And I think that she's play, plays it really well. And, you know, he kind of looks, uh, pathetic. Yeah. In trying to win her back. Uh, here in Los Angeles, they give you an award for anything. Greatest fascist dictator, Adolf Hitler. <laughs> um. And then he writes a play about the relationship with other actors and it has a happy ending, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I, I think, I really think the ending of it is very sweet, uh, and that whole monologue about, uh, we need the eggs, you know, yeah. uh, my brother thinks he's a chicken, uh, well, you know, but I need the eggs, yeah. you know? uh, is, is so great. And just the idea that, you know, you have, uh, you know, people come into your life for a while and, you know, you, you love them and you learn from them and you influence each other but then you know things ultimately don't work out and you move on from that and you know before you find the person sitting across from you on the couch why are you looking at annie right now (laughs) (laughs) who's really right for you (laughs) annie oh hi guys (laughs) uh i think because Yes, she, she grows and becomes more confident. But I also, I really do think that she, kind of what I was saying earlier, where she is still probably overly involved in these men's lives. Like, I think she takes on the persona almost of the guy that she's with, right? Like, she starts to do the things that they do. And I got that vibe from that last scene too. Yeah. Like, she seems slightly different in a way. That, yeah, like with the older guy yeah. that she's, she's sort of acting a little bit older than she is. Right. And- mm-hmm. You see, you see her getting into her neuroses when she's with Woody Allen's character. 
Um, that's a really interesting point I never thought of before. And that's what's, again, really relatable about her. It's like she's not just this perfect woman who has no flaws or whatever. She's right. probably has really low self-esteem and gets, you know, um, enveloped by these men and just kind of changes parts of her personality in order to fit in with them. And you get the sense that she's, I mean, she comes from money, right? That's yeah. the whole, when you see the family and the house and all that stuff, you're like, and the fact that we don't know what she does and she has that great apartment yeah. in New York with that giant rooftop patio thing. I was right. like, oh my God. So gorgeous. Um, it started the whole tradition of people in New York with vague jobs yeah. <laughs> that have incredible apartments. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because my family would say that all the three of us in this room probably have vague jobs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. That's true. With, my, at least in our case, mediocre apartments. <laughs> uh, Carla, you want to give this movie a letter grade? Oh, it's an A for sure. What does that stand for? Annie! <laughs> Hall. Annie Hall. Annie for you? I would say an A. Yeah. Still, it stands the test of time. Yeah. It's an A for me as well. I'm going to move it down just slightly oh. uh, below Sunset Boulevard. Okay. Uh, and just ahead of Apocalypse Now. Yeah. That seems right. <laughs> uh, Annie, want to improvise a little scene with us? I guess. Uh, as the guest, I'll give you first dibs on who you want to play between Woody Allen, Diane Keaton, or Christopher Walken. I did hear a fun Woody Allen from you earlier for a second. I'm just saying. Not to influence <laughs> Oh, did I? Show. I did, didn't I? But also, I you'd be a good Annie Hall, too. I'll be, most... An- I'll be Annie Hall. Okay. It's the dream role. You're Annie Hall. Okay. Carla. Do I have to be Woody <laughs> You could be Walken. You can be joining oh, if you want to. All right. I don't know how to do a walk-in. <laughs> Here we go. Um, and I'll, I'll be, I'll be singer, but this is, uh, this is a deleted scene from the murder mystery version oh, of the, uh, of the, the movie. Oh my God. This, this is a dead body here. Oh, I can't look at that. I, oh, I can't look at this. Look at it though. I mean, it looks like this guy's throat was slit. I mean, we, we, well, of course his throat was slit. I mean, can't you, you could see all the blood is coming right from there. Oh God. Hey, uh, that's my friend. <laughs> I, uh, invited over for martinis. Well, Dwayne, your friend is dead. <laughs> Oops. What do you mean? Oops. Wait. Well, uh, you know, what? sometimes you have a friend and then they die. With their throat slashed, Dwayne. Hey, life's crazy, man. Dwayne, d- did you kill this guy? I mean, because it's, it's, it's ridiculous. All right. I did. I killed my friend. Oh, Dwayne. How, what are we going to tell mom and dad? I mean, you told me that whole creepy monologue about, uh, you know, wanting to crash your car. So. Exactly. So I warned you. I warned you and I warned you. <sighs> You're talking at such an unusual rate right now. I have no idea. Really? Because it sin- just feels kind of slow. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like you've erased all the punctuation from you. Well, Dwayne, if you still have that car, we should just like put the body in there and then send it somewhere and crash it off of a, a cliff or something. Hear, hear that? That's my sister. I mean, you, you Midwesterners are so weird. I mean, what, what is this? You're well, covering would, up a murder now? What would you do if your brother committed a murder? Right. What would you do, Alfie? <laughs> Alvy. Alvy with a V. Alfie is a, a Michael Caine character. All right. Alvin, what would you do? <laughs> Look, I don't have a brother, all right? I'm an only child, which is why I'm such such a neurotic mess This, this says a lot time. about you, yeah. Oh, I'm going to be talking to my therapist about this. 
I'll be your therapist. <laughs> oh, Dwayne, don't let him do it. Don't. Tell me. Tell me your deepest secrets. Here we go again. Look well, into my beautiful eyes. Oh, your eyes are mesmerizing. <laughs> I can't. Wait a minute. Are you going to kill me? Please don't kill. Uh, Dwayne, come uh, on. Uh, Mom, uh, Dad. What is it, Annie? What's going on in there? We we need some garbage bags up here. Dwayne's up to his old tricks. Uh-oh. Wait, what, you knew about this? Well, it's not like it's the first time it's happened. Oh, God. <laughs> I told my therapist about it a few times, but they're sworn to secrecy, so. Oh, la di da I was a therapist, too. <laughs> la di da <laughs> Carla, I didn't, worst, I, didn't, Carla. I didn't know you had a walk-in in you. I just took a bullet for everyone. <laughs> you were amazing. <laughs> See, you can't be nervous to improvise when Carla does something like that, right? <laughs> like, just know that Carla will always if be I were, worse. <laughs> if I were braver, I would have taken the walk-in. <laughs> I didn't want that. <laughs> Annie, thank you so much for thank joining you, us. What a delight. Me. It was. Delightful. Where can people find you online? I'm on Twitter sometimes <laughs> <laughs> at Annie underscore Savage. Okay. I have a Facebook page, Annie Savage. Okay. I don't know how to get that's there. The f- I've heard that's the future. That's- <laughs> and you're on a new podcast, right? Yeah. Tell us about the new podcast you're doing. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, made me, it made me think about it. Uh, oh, and Instagram, Annie underscore Savage. Um, yeah, the podcast I'm doing currently is called Unremembered Hollywood. And I play, I narrate it as a character, um, telling these wonderful, incredibly fake tales of Hollywood's yesteryear. Uh-uh. And it's a lot of fun to listen to it. I like, I really, I'd be a fan of the podcast even if I weren't, you know, a part of it. I did an episode, uh, and had a great time doing it. And it's very funny scripts. And I think particularly if you're a fan of Thrilling Adventure Hour, it's very much in your wheelhouse. So definitely check it out. That is by Charlie Fonville. Yes. Uh, great job, Charlie. Uh, (laughs) great job, Charlie. (laughs) And, uh, great way to identify talent, bringing in Annie and me. Uh, but also, like, ga- has Gags uh, been on Gags as well? Been what on about it? me? What if my, <laughs> my husband Fred has been on it. Yeah. Fred! Yeah. A lot of talented Fred. people Mark involved. Mark Agliardi, Hal Lublin. I mean, not all talented people are involved. But several, everybody of- that's involved is talented, but yes. not all of the talented people are. But it's yet. all based on, you know, actual, you know, Hollywood figures. So I think when he gets around to adding Christopher Walken as a character. <laughs> oh, definitely. La dee da. <laughs> <laughs> Carla, what's going on with you? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, for our next episode, uh, we're up to number 13 on my list. I think I want to stay in movies that were nominated for Best Picture in 1977. I thought you were going to say it was another Woody Allen movie. <laughs> <laughs> we do have two more coming up, but okay. you're almost done, right? Manhattan can go to H-E-L-L. <laughs> you can't say hell? What, are no. you from the Midwest? You've, you've said worse on this podcast already. I don't know why you're spelling She'll say hell. fuck all the time. I but fucking she... hate Manhattan. It can go to H-E-L-L. <laughs> uh, but we're going to stay in 1977. We're also going to stay with our Work Juice Player friends. Oh. So the next movie coming up is a little movie called Star Wars Episode 4, colon, A New Hope. 
Aww. Uh, and we figured we had to get the biggest nerd we know, Hal Lublin. I was going to say Hal! <laughs> Can I just for a second talk about how annoying it is that the f- original Star Wars is number four? <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, I was going to say it's number 13 on my list, but yes, uh, like it's episode calling it four. Number four. When did they start doing that? Well, we'll get into that on the that's next episode. <laughs> You'll find out. Carla, you love Star Wars though, right? I do, but that's silly. That's confusing and weird. Well, like, it is confusing word. after they put out the first three, then you're going the first one and yeah. people are like, number one? You're like, no, number four. Yeah. That's okay. Confusing. Well, we'll explain it all. There's, there's Was a... it always called A New Hope? No. Yeah. No. Oh, no. it was just we'll called get... Star Wars, yep. right? Yep. Oh. It was called See, Star Wars. This is some bullshit. We're going <gasps> to save it for the next episode. We're going to talk about it with Hal Lublin. We're going to cover it and explain it all. When I saw it, it was just Star Wars. <laughs> Back in my day. <laughs> Craig's listeners, we'll see you then. The list is an absolute good. The list is life. <laughs>